they I love how they built everybody's accent around Gal Yeah, <laughs> it was a great accent. I was totally digging it. You expect the battle to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we're feeling it. If this is your first time joining us. Welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to another wonderful episode of Feeling It. So excited to have you with us. Um, today, we're going to be starting off the same way we always do by talking about what piece of pop culture, tech, music, or movies we are feeling this week. And then or we sports. Will... Or sports. Very true. <laughs> a new emerging, burgeoning segment of the Feeling Podcast. Is... <laughs> that no one's ever talked about. so hard the first time one of you is feeling something sports related. It's good. Hey, man, I am all about the NBA Finals. I just don't talk about it on the podcast. You're it's welcome not our to, MO. Lucas. We... <laughs> I wouldn't judge you for it. I know I just said that I would laugh. <laughs> But I'm telling you now, I'm changing my mind, and I won't judge you. I want this to be an open, <laughs> loving space. If the Golden State Warriors win it all, I'm going to say something. Right. Oh, I, I tell you what, I want to be so much more into Nashville Predators having a chance to win the Stanley Cup than I am, because they're on the brink, and this whole town is going nuts about it, and I am just having a really hard time getting into it. But I'm, I'm happy for everybody it. else. From, at a distance like i'm not actually watching the games into it but i'm like keeping up with the buzz into it that uh, that's that's my level of uh of engagement as well so yeah see and sports yeah. Boom, done. <laughs> all right so let's go around and introduce ourselves um and when we do uh in honor of our main segment today which is going to be us talking in depth about the newest entry into the dc cinematic universe wonder woman who was let us know who your favorite female superhero was growing up. I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And I thought long and hard about this question. Problem is, I didn't watch a lot of superhero stuff growing up. And also, there's not a lot of female superhero stuff growing up. Mm-hmm. So the closest thing I could come to was um, the pink Power Ranger. I was very into her. Oh, That's a great answer. I don't know if it is. I, think it, <laughs> I, I thought she was going to say Sailor Moon, so... Okay, well, that's I better def- than Sailor Moon. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Sailor Moon's a superhero. <laughs> well, I mean, neither is the Pink Power Ranger, but I, that's hey. why I said closest <laughs> thing. Closest thing. Closest thing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from the Bay Area, and I am definitely going to go with Electra. I read a lot of Daredevil growing up, and she is insane, which. Uh, was something that I was very interested in at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lawson Soward, a art director in Nashville, Tennessee, and my favorite female superhero growing up was Batgirl. I love the Batman animated series, and whenever they started introducing Robin and Batgirl, they were hands down, like, they enhanced that show so much. So That is a very good choice. That's actually my favorite choice. All right, great. Well... Um, with that, let's jump into what we're feeling this week. Sandra, what are you feeling, bud? Well, before I say what I'm feeling this week, I have a question that I need both of you to answer. I want to know what your stance is on like big public spectacle wedding proposals. Nah. Nope. Not nope. into them? Lawson, Mm-mm. how do you feel? I... I'm also not into it. I'm more of like, you can make it really big and special, but it should, like, I I lean towards it should be for the person, not for the public or like your own notoriety. Okay. So I feel kind of similarly. I don't know that I would ever want a huge public proposal. I feel like it's a very intimate thing that like, I want to be just like me and the person that is, is, that we're like having the proposal with. I just want it to be very like, private and, and like romantic but there is a strong part of me that loves public declarations of love maybe not wedding proposals but a public song and dance number i'm obsessed with and i have been it's like the musical kid in me loves the idea of like someone professing their love with a song and a dance oh yeah so, the musical side of it is beautiful i can right. get into that i 
even though I'm also a little horrified by them, I love watching, like, again, those huge spectacle proposals where someone, like, has a whole, like, crowd of people dancing and there's, you know, it's a big mess. Um, I have heard a song this weekend that I'm calling it right now all upcoming major wedding proposal spectacle videos like this are going to start using this song. Um, Jack Antonoff goes by the artist name Bleachers, and Bleachers came out with a new album this weekend. I'm a huge Bleachers fan. Um, I've been really anticipating this album. His single, um, Don't Take the Money, is something I've been listening to on repeat for the past month or so. Um, now that the album's fully out, I kind of just got to soak it up this weekend, and um, I love it, just like I knew I would. Um, however, what I'm specifically feeling is a track on this album. The album is called Gone Now. Um, but he has a track called Let's Get Married. And it is just the perfect poppy um, song about being getting married to someone. Um, one thing that I really love about this song is that um, all the pronouns are gender neutral um, or all the pet names are gender neutral. Um, Anyone, any type of pairing could use this song in a wedding proposal. And that's, that's something awesome. you don't always see. Um, and so um, I want to let y'all listen to a little bit of this. listening to on repeat. I would recommend people listen to this album in full because Jack Antonoff's albums really are meant to be consumed um, from the first track to the last track. Um, but if you are interested in finding out like what the fun singles are, those are the two I'm recommending. And Let's Get Married is the one that I am excited about seeing in many a proposal video. Yeah, after just that brief of a listen, you are completely right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so much better than like Bruno Mars. I mean, that's that's beautiful. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think the Bruno Mars track is bad, but it's definitely been overplayed. Um, and you know, now we have a fresh new song to um, beat into our skulls. So, um, yeah. I want to quickly read a quote from one of my favorite culture writers on Twitter. His name is Ira Madison the Third. Um, his Twitter handle is at Ira. He tweeted this weekend. He said, the Bleachers album makes me feel like a Caucasian teenager with the world at my fingertips at the height of the Reagan era. And, <laughs> and I really loved that analysis of this album. He has like this very 80s atmosphere um, in almost all of his music that he either creates for himself or that Jack Antonoff produces for other people. He's done a lot of work on the new Lord record, which is really exciting to me. Um, Bleachers is one of my all-time favorite artists. Um, I can listen to his albums straight through. They feel like movie scores to me. I want so many more people to listen to this, this music. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Sandra. That's, an, that's a great pick. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, what are you feeling this week, buddy? Well, this week, I am feeling the recently released deluxe edition of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by The Beatles. Oh, this by the Beatles. is a two... Yes, <laughs> this is a two-disc, 31-track remix of the original 1967 album, as well as some never-before-heard outtakes, uh, which is really awesome. It's really cool to hear, like, take one of Lucy and the Sky with Diamonds, which didn't work out well, and the 26th take of Strawberry Fields Forever. <laughs> um, have you guys listened to this yet? Not at all. 
I saw that it popped up, but I didn't realize that it had all that extra content. I thought it was just they uh, they yeah. work the masters every day, couple decades. I thought that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. So 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 the, so that part is true. They did the reworking of all the masters that they do every couple years or so. Um, but then in addition, they have all of these other kind of instrumental tracks and just kind of recordings of um, them just kind of playing around in the studio, which is really cool to hear. Um, but as far as the remastered tracks go, the Beatles love their lyrics. And this this was actually the first album that had song lyrics printed on the back of the album. Um, and they just come off tour where the noise of the crowd kind of drowned out the vocals. And they wanted to make an album that they didn't have to worry about playing at shows. <laughs> and so this album, they're really free to just explore in the studio, which ended up coming up with tons of really great tracks and really great um, just recordings that didn't go on on the album at all um and originally this was recorded in mono so you ended up with a pretty basic kind of a lot of like one channel drums which sound as if they're coming from a back bedroom bedroom while like the rest of the band is in the living room <laughs> um and it feels like they've really dusted this off kind of taken it back from scratch um shined it up and made it really really nice so playing this in the car versus the original sounds awesome like you can jam to these songs now which i don't feel like you've been able to do if you have it on if you have it on vinyl it sounds great but anything that that is digital from any of these original recordings um sounds a little trashy compared to what just got released so this is on spotify it's on apple music um anywhere you want to listen to it you can so i would definitely encourage everybody to listen to it and all of the fun uh, like takes the instrumental tracks, all of the extra stuff that's on there too. Cause there's a ton, a ton of gems in there. I would recommend no one listen to it on title. Um, I feel like we're <laughs> about to win that, uh, part of the war. And I think that's very important. <laughs> all right. What are you feeling this week? Well, I thought I'd mix it up and talk about music. So. <laughs> yeah. This is a full music episode, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, guys. Yes. Look at us. Um, so I, what I'm feeling this week is a new track by Arcade Fire called Everything Now, which is amazing. It is so, so good. Um, this track reminds me of uh, back in the years whenever The Suburbs was their big album. It just feels so culturally uh, subversive and relevant and uh, sharp in a way that I feel like they kind of missed um, on their last outing, um, in 2013. And so I'm just so glad that there's new music coming from them. I'm also just really into, uh, their new tour name. (laughs) The tour that they're about to go on is called the Infinite Content Tour. And this song, Everything Now, is so much about how much we're inundated with, uh, information and entertainment and instant gratification. And, um, it's just... I don't know. Arcade Fire is kind of like my grown-up emo music. <laughs> like all of these things <laughs> that I know are like somewhat. Some of it is societal, but some of it is very navel gazy. Um, but all of it just feels very potent. Um, it's it's really good, and it's really been speaking to me. And I love that this has kind of like a bright disco ABBA feel to it. Um, like I'm really excited and hoping that their album carries a lot of this sound through it because their lyrics are so uh good that and it kind of you know melancholy and understated that pairing them with this really bright music makes it a lot more palatable and also makes her really cool contrast every song that i've ever heard is playing at the same time it's absurd and it reminds me Um, is there a pan flute in there? <laughs> yeah. This sounds like ABBA. So. Like, I'm hearing Dancing Queen. I am. Right? This sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I didn't get into that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was, like, I was stoked by it, but it also has, the lyrics are so great, and they're so, like, about our time, and I really related to how 
much music I take in, how many podcasts I take in, how much news I take in, and just how often my default is to look at my phone and um, the kind of like consuming default that goes along with that. And it talks a lot about materialism and consumerism and all these things that are like really good to be talking about and evaluating, but in the brightest, happiest, most fun way. <laughs> so um, this track is really good and it has me really excited for their tour and their album. So that is my recommendation. Everything now by Arcade Fire. Nice. Yeah, they. I, I never felt like they were super like poppy, dancey, um, like disco-ish before. But this sounds this like I I like their old stuff. But I definitely feel like this is a, a new direction for them. Seems to be a little, a little more fun. Yeah, a much needed departure from Reflector, which was not mm-hmm. my fave. Um, no. So anyway, with that, let's move in to our main subject: Wonder Woman. let your guard down. You expect a battle to be fair. A battle will never be fair. So Wonder Woman is the first major studio film led by a female superhero and directed by a woman um, to come since the boom of superhero movies in the latest round of Marvel and DC movies. Um, and fair to say, the largest release of its kind. Um, there have been other films like Elektra in the past, um, where the main, where the protagonist has been a female superhero, but this is kind of a whole other level, and it's been getting pretty good press um, and a couple of stupid elements of Alamo Drafthouse press. Um, but overall, it's just been really, really fun, and I'm really glad um, to see the critical reception that it's been getting. But try to reserve judgment in as much as we could to be as objective as possible for you, the listeners. And we went and saw it ourselves, and I want to hear, what did you guys think? Should we hear from our resident woman first? Oh, <laughs> you know me, the resident woman. <laughs> no better That's way why to we refer keep you to around. Sandra, my fully <laughs> amazing friend. Um, I had a great time with Wonder Woman. I was really excited about this movie, um, primarily because I'm a big fan of Gal Gadot. Um, I loved her in the Fast and the Furious movies, and um, I thought she was um, one of the best parts of Batman v Superman. Um, Yep. And so this movie had a lot going for it, in my opinion. The only thing it didn't have going for it was a history um, with this franchise, with this DC cinematic universe. Um, That has not had the smoothest sailing um, with critics so far. And so that was like, I think the one thing was holding me back from being like fully excited about this movie. Um, After seeing it though, I had such a great time. Um, I think the the message in this movie is probably the best thing about it um and then the second best thing is seeing incredible women performing um just amazing action sequences and having really great relationships with one another um i love a lot of the performances in this movie we can talk in more details mm-hmm. about like which one specifically um but the performances across the board are pretty fantastic. Um, as far as like this movie as a whole goes, I think it's a great superhero movie. Is it like going to be in my top 10 I would of the year? I would say probably not. Um, but if you like superhero movies, this is a great one. I think that's the, the best way I can describe the level of like quality this movie attains. I think that the movie is really good, but... What's more important is what it means for, like, our culture. And, you know, sometimes movies ascend beyond the culture that they're living in. And sometimes they're so embedded in the culture that it was, like, released into. And this is a movie that I don't think you can talk about the quality of this movie without addressing how good it is going to be for young girls and boys to see this movie. Um, Their little kids 
that are currently little kids and then all these people that we live with that used to be little kids have not had a lot of female-led superhero films. You know, we were talking earlier about how um, it was hard to come up with one of, like, who is a favorite growing up. At least it was for me. And this is not just a female-led superhero film. It's a really good one. And it's one with really great, a great message that kids should be seeing, especially in this political climate. Um, And it's important for... It's important for young girls to have role models. Just like last year with Ghostbusters, I cried every time I saw photos of little girls in Ghostbuster costumes. It's happening all over again this summer. Every time I see photos of little girls in Wonder Woman costumes, I get very emotional. Um, but what is so important to me is the idea that young boys are going to get to see this movie and think that Wonder Woman is cool because she is. And they're going to see an island of Amazon women that are like fierce warriors and live in like this utopian society. And they're going to think that like women can be leaders and that's not going to be a crazy concept to them as they get older because it's something they saw when they were young. Um, And that is incredibly important. So that is my soapbox about Wonder Woman. Um, (laughs) I had a fun time, but even if I didn't, like, the good that this movie can do um, makes it really great for me. Yeah. I definitely have to piggyback on to the sentiment of if you like superhero movies, you will like this one. Yeah. I don't know a superhero movie that doesn't have third act problem, pl- ugh, third act problems. Um, and this, I think, falls into that boat as well. Um, it's just it gets really messy at the end. Um, but that doesn't stop my enjoyment of it at all. This movie had, I think some of the greatest, um, characters that we've seen for sure. Um, and some of the best character development from our superhero, the, so the DCEU has been, we've, we've talked about how gloomy it is and how dark and depressing all of their movies have been so far. And this, tonally i think is a huge shift and it helps that it's not um that it's set during world war one like I, th- I think it helps a ton that it's separated itself from um the events the rest of the events that are going on in the dceu um and it gave patty jenkins i think some freedom to be able to kind of make the movie that she wanted i think this is the most i won't say generic but we haven't seen it i i guess i don't know like middle of the road like straight shot movie like this reminded me of um sam remy's original spider-man movie just the fact that we're getting kind of a a basic story about a superhero we don't have to plug in a lot of other um kind of tie-ins or anything like that um and i feel like the same thing kind of happened for the for the most part with captain america uh the first avenger Mm -hmm. we had just kind of really just focusing in on this one story now there's a lot going on in this movie um and I, 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 don't, I don't think it's as simple as it could have been. Um, but for the most part, we don't have to worry about um, the extended universe. We don't have to worry about tie-ins. We don't have to worry about post-credit scenes. There's no pe- post-credit scene after this movie. Um, it was nice. I thought it was really refreshing. Yeah, I completely agree. This movie was so much fun. It was like she's Thor and she's Captain America. Like she has... Uh, mythology and a kind of uh, a single-minded commitment to justice and while still being a fully fleshed out person. I will say I loved so much about this movie. I had so much fun watching this. I loved how little it had to be beholden to the other DC films. It felt like this, it, it shouldn't, it feels messed up like this is the compliment but it felt like a marvel movie like it was fun it wasn't <laughs> dour um a lot of the you know color was still desaturated and the palette was pretty similar but you have fun watching this movie you like the main character <laughs> all these things that make a really good superhero movie and made a lot of the other dc stuff really bad um this movie gave me hope for the whole uh dc franchise like if Flash and Aquaman are more in this vein, then maybe that universe can have some, have a, a fighting chance uh, at being something that's entertaining and positive. 
But uh, the other thing that was great about this is it stood on its own so well that I didn't care. I was like, oh, everything else about DC can be bad. I will still like this movie. I will <laughs> still come back and enjoy Wonder Woman, and I will still watch you know, Wonder Woman 2 or whatever it is that goes forward, no matter how much I unplug from DC in general because I love these characters. I love Gal Gadot. Um, I love everything that happened in this film. And uh, I, there were some third act issues, I agree, but there were also plenty of themes that kept me surprised and engaged. And I was just, I was, I was thrilled with this. I loved um, kind of seeing the Captain America piece and the Thor piece, the mythology and the uh, kind of single-minded uh, justice with a fully fleshed out person. I loved all of that coming together um, in the person of Diana in this. I And all of the role models that they saw. Uh, Sandra, you actually tweeted um, something I saw a little bit earlier, and it made me tear up at work as well. And it was a tweet that said, I've lived to see my childhood princesses become generals. And it's a shot of... Um, Robin Wright, Robin. who was uh, the princess in Princess Bride, um, and she plays a general in this film, and next to... Uh, Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher, of course. Carrie Fisher, who played uh, Princess Leia, who in the upcoming film was the general, just as she was in Episode Seven of Star Wars. So it's so good, I agree, for the culture, um, for the stories, for what it does, and... It's one of those things that once it's done, it feels revolutionary, but it also feels like, of course, in a way that like, how has this been a thing? How has this been a barrier? This is just as good of a superhero movie in every way. And the fact that this is an issue just feels like, oh, now there's one one less thing. Like, let's make, let's keep this wall down. Let's keep this glass ceiling broken. Let's keep this... Uh, realm of our modern day myths open to where now anyone regardless of gender or gender identity can be somebody who it leads a superhero like saves the world who drives their own film in this way um it was just really really it affected me more than i thought it would for i agree it's kind of a middle of the road superhero movie but because of uh, a lot of what it represented it really um, had some extra resonance for me. Can I say something? I want to just address. Both of y'all have said this, and pretty much every single critic that I follow has mentioned that this movie has, like, third act issues. And I don't want to say, I feel like a real dummy because I didn't have a single issue with the third act. It was my favorite part of the movie. I thought the third what? act was fun and great. Okay, we're definitely going to have to dive into that in, this in spoilers for yeah, sure. We'll sure. get in spoilers, but I will agree with you, Sandra, in that it was like, I, yeah, we'll talk about it in spoilers. Yeah. I think I may have uh, misrepresented that because it was my gripe is very minor i have huge gripes with the third with the the ending of this movie <laughs> um but yes we we will get into that later but it did not it did not take away at all from everything that came before it which was ah just glorious so um how did you guys feel about the characters because i know in a lot of superhero movies we get characters who are the exact same at the beginning and at the end of the film. And I did not feel that way at all. I feel like every single person grew in this movie. Yeah, Diana was so different at the start of the movie to the end of the movie. Uh, Steve, Chris Pine's character, was so fully fleshed out. I I loved... I, this This is the best writing of any DC movie by a mile. Yeah, totally. I, I feel like he had a full arc. I feel like he's... A, he like From the moment we meet him till the end of the movie... He is a completely different character, I think. I think he goes through a a, ver a very different arc than what we've seen for, like, the number two player in a lot of these superhero movies. Totally. I, what was the, the name of the island that they were on again? The Mascara. The Mascara. I want a... I don't know if I want a prequel or just, like... I just want a whole movie set there. Like, every character there was so great. The relationships were so interesting and they made everybody feel real and like all these relationships had been around for a long time. The communal aspect that was going mm -hmm. on was really beautiful. And 
the island itself, just the setting was gorgeous, and the amount of culture that they had developed on that island was really cool. I just, I, I want to spend so much more time with those characters mm-hmm. in that setting. I want to spend so much more time with Robin Wright. That, like, she nails this. She is, like, she, the, oh, this movie, oh my gosh, okay. Robin Wright kills it. She yeah. is the most intimidating person I mean, I'll say in the entire movie, I, yeah, I won't say uh, that. I don't want to spoil things. I mean, I, I would I, say that. Okay, I'll say that. She's the most intimidating person in this movie. Um, and we we meet her, and we know she is dangerous. She is incredible. Um, she, just the way she kind of commands attention at the from the very onset of this movie, um, you know she knows what's up. You know she can take it. She has battle scars. This this lady, Robin Wright is 51 years old, and she acts like a general. She is the real deal. Yeah, the, all of the costuming and makeup that all of the Amazon women had was just so perfect. They mm-hmm. There was not only, like, buff, strong warrior women, but there was a variety of women. There was women of all different ethnicities, of, like, body sizes. There were women that were teachers, that were warriors, that were, like, leaders. There were um, all different roles, which, again, because women can do all different kinds of things, so it only makes sense. Um, And, yeah, just to see women as being these, like, functional beings and not just set dressing was, you know... Uh, a rare treat. Y'all were talking about um, Chris Pine's character earlier, and I just wanted to address that really quickly. Um, Chris Pine in this movie, his character is treated with such respect in a way that the love interest of a superhero is rarely treated with. Um, Often because our superheroes are male and the love interests Mm -hmm. are female. Matthew A. Cherry on Twitter, um, he went on this whole Twitter thread um, about having Patty Jenkins as a female director of this film and what a difference that can make. Um, And he talks about how oftentimes when movies have female directors, not only are the female characters like treated as respected well-rounded characters and real human characters, but the male characters are also treated very well. You don't have this this reverse situation where the women have these flushed out stories and the men are these paper-thin characters. Often when female, um, when women direct films, they give the male characters a ton of respect. Um, on his Twitter account, he said, That's what I felt like Wonder Woman did a great job of. Chris Pine and Gal Gadot's relationship was highlighted, and they were both heroes. Patty Jenkins could have treated Steve with the same lack of respect most male directors offer their female love interests, but she didn't. He said, this debate reminds me of this quote from at Smartass Jen, who is a wonderful actress. Um, Jen Richards said, I rarely meet men in real life as extraordinary as the ones on film and rarely see women on film as extraordinary as the ones I know in real life. Um, And that is, this movie does just such a good job of balancing that. It doesn't make Chris Pine's character, Steve, into this, like, genius character that's, like, showing, you know, Gal Gadot the ropes of the world, and, you know, um, he's a partner, and... She is an equal partner to him, if not a greater partner, because she's the hero of this film. Um, And it was just so refreshing to see that. And Chris Pine's performance of that role with that great writing was just like the perfect pairing. Um, Mm -hmm. Chris Pine is pretty great in this movie. He knows how to play second fiddle. I like that guy. That guy is good. He, he will, he will win an Oscar someday. I promise you, but it'll be for playing. It'll be a supporting actor. Like it's just going to have to be. Wait to see him. He's in, um, the upcoming a wrinkle in time with directed by uh, Ava DuVernay. Yep. Yeah. That's really exciting. Um, she was tweeting Mm -hmm. about him and wonder woman. Someone had responded. Someone had said, I know this whole episode is just us all quoting things we saw on Twitter, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) someone on Twitter had said that they thought it was really interesting that Patty Jenkins and, um, Ava DuVernay who are both, you know, these 
female directors leading $100 million plus movies um, both chose Chris Pine to be in their movies. And Ava DuVernay retweeted that and was like, yep. there's a reason for it like yeah he's great and i bet he's i imagine he's also pretty great to work with i i think that these directors um pick him out not only for his talent but also for like his respect for their vision right neither Um, of those directors seem like they're willing to suffer fools right so it's like oh so he's like minimum not a dick that's great i am um (laughs) one last thing i want to point out about his character i kind of mentioned this just a minute ago how um, his character isn't this, like, he's not saving Wonder Woman in this movie, mm-hmm. you know? Um, ha- have either of y'all seen this video essay or heard about this trope that was just recently circulating the internet called Born Sexy Yesterday? No. Uh, yes. It's the Little Mermaid problem. I, 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 I haven't seen the video, but okay. I, I know the trope. I'm going to recommend everyone go look up this video. It's an 18-minute video essay, which I know sounds really long, but it's definitely worth watching. Um, and it doesn't feel that long. And what is it called? Born Sexy Yesterday. And this guy details this trope that he's seeing, mostly in science fiction movies or, or fantasy movies, where you have a female character that is um, sometimes literally born yesterday, like she is artificially created, um, or she comes from another world, so she doesn't know anything about our current world. Um, and she's incredibly naive and innocent um, because of that reason, but she also is an adult character. She has a sexually mature body, and she's, of course, gorgeous. So movies that like really fall into this trope are like The Fifth Element, um, Tron, Legacy, uh, Splash with Daryl Hannah and Tom Hanks. Um, plenty others, but those are the three that definitely come to mind right away. And the big reason that this trope is like problematic is because you have this woman who gets to be like a sexual love interest for the male character because she's in an adult body, but she has the mind of a child and she gets to view the male lead character as like this genius figure because he is just like knows how the world works and gets to explain how the world works to her. Um, and it's just shows like what this power imbalance looks like and why it's like problematic that men find this like naivete so sexually appealing. It was, it's very interesting. So I say all of that because this movie, if you're not paying close attention to it, looks like it could fall under that trope. Um, you have Mm. Wonder Woman who is this and stunningly beautiful woman, um, with, these another another big part of the trope is that the female character is often highly skilled in like combat because that's like the one thing that it's like sexy and okay for like that the skill for her to have um so she fits into this trope very easily that she's entering this new world and she has this male companion that's like explaining to her how the real world works and like guiding her through um but the one reason that i think that separates it and makes this movie not problematic for me was that they didn't play up on this power imbalance like they do in other movies. Um, He doesn't find her naivete charming or sexy. He is not a savior to her in any way. Um, Again, it is very much a partnership. Like she is teaching him things. He is teaching her things. Um, So I really just respected that, that like we kind of almost got into that realm and they really held the reins in a perfect way that so that it didn't fall through there no i completely agree and i'm i'm definitely gonna watch that entire thing i'm fascinated by that because as you were talking through that i was like oh yeah i've seen that a million times yeah it's very Mm -hmm. common yeah i i i think a lot of kind of what what i i saw kind of coming out of that was just her drive like most of this was yeah she she was she was unaware of you know how the world worked and everything like that but she had a drive she had a purpose that she you know she, she had a she had a mission um, and it mattered not what what Chris Pine's character was doing right. she was going to go on that mission and there was a lot of compromise and a lot of kind of 
I guess a, a lot of more, I think more tension there that she, the, of um, frustration for, on his part, which I think is more realistic of, <laughs> of, oh my gosh, you don't know how this is working. Oh my gosh, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't what's supposed to happen. Um, and I, I, I think more morally as well, like she has, she had a lot of I, idealistic um, kind of concepts of how the world should work and things like that. And he came from the, the more uh, pessimistic view of, you know, okay, you've got to, these are, these is the way the world works and these are the steps you have to go through. And, um, sometimes you have to do bad things to get to good places and that kind of thing. So another thing I want to say before we get into spoilers is I love the balance in this movie of, uh, how much, how well it threads the needle of not quite letting you know how much of the world is, uh, subject to the the world of myth and how much is subject to what we kind of understand about our modern history um there's that uh, whenever you see saw like thor for example it's very cut and dry that like oh there's asgard there's this other world and that's always been there and then our world has been there and they're separate but our world is being has been influenced by this all along and we haven't known about it and uh this Thor, now that he's on the world, we're going to see a lot of stuff go down that way. And this movie, I think, really cleverly takes you on this ride through the perspective of Diana, of Wonder Woman. And so you start off with her and stay with her. And while you're hearing both sides, um, you are only shown as much as she is shown. And so you don't know how much that is going to interact with the world, how much... uh, you're seeing things that are maybe a commentary on maybe uh, through war we are creating things that uh, we're making our own versions of these uh, myths come true through our actions or through uh, the weapons we create. Through all, There's so many themes that are so rich and able to fully flesh out because of that tension and because they don't decisively come down on one side or the other of it. Um, for so much of the film, I think that just really enhanced uh, watching this for me. And I walked out like really in awe of the fact that they pulled that off. I know part of it is because it's a very fast paced movie. So you're just kind of keeping up. But as I was watching it and reflecting back on it afterwards, like, oh, they did a really good job. And they were able to really um, put in a lot of surprises and a lot of like great elements um, into this story because you're kind of in the middle of that, not knowing which way it's going to go. I have more right. to say about that and spoilers. Yep, same. <laughs> All right, was there anything else you want to say before spoilers, or do you want to jump in? Let's jump in. Just take your kids to see this movie. <laughs> like, this is... Yes. Take them. Every kid. Yeah. Every of kid of every age and every single thing you could use to divide them by. Don't divide them. <laughs> Unite them and take them to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> before we get started... Does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, cracking gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. All right. So, spoilers. Sandra, what is it that you wanted to say more about that? I think this is tying into the conversation we were going to have about the third act. Just that, like, I really love greek mythology and (laughs) that third act when like we get the reveal about like Ares and his role in this story um i was so pumped about it and i I loved it i was so pumped about like how his role like actually happened in like the war and then also like all of his dialogue with diana um like I, it just I go so hard for all Greek mythology and getting to see like getting the, that like tense family drama stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. And so I was having a ball with it. Yeah. Okay, I've got a couple of questions for you guys here. Yes. One, I, I I will say huge fan of Greek mythology. Love it all. I'm I'm I have some interesting things here. Did you guys think that at at any point in this in this movie? Did you think that Danny Houston was he playing the bad guy, or was he playing? Ares. Oh my gosh, what is? Yeah, exactly. No, was he playing Ares? I never thought that he was Ares. You never did. No. So okay. what I was trying to touch on before spoilers was kind of like when she made that gas for him to inhale, 
and he became like that, I, mm-hmm. it made me think like, oh, that maybe this is a commentary on how he's becoming superhuman. He's becoming like a god of war. And kind of, it, I thought it was kind of a commentary on how uh, even though, it, regardless of the validity of Greek mythology and how true it is in this world, we create our own evil gods and we create all of these things. And so I was really interested in that. And then when it turned out that he wasn't it and that wasn't the angle they were going for and instead it was the British guy, that was the... I was enthralled with that reversal. I was so stoked by that and everything that it said and I was just... I was completely taken by that turn. Sorry, that's more than you asked. What what were the rest of your questions? So first, I... I also never thought that it was him, but I thought they were going to, because the whole time everyone is against her, like not against her, but everyone is basically saying, you're crazy, Ares is not real. Right. And I would have loved for for her to have gone through, killed him and realized, like like you said, Ares is just humanity. <laughs> like like mm. there is the bad side of humanity that is evil, blah, 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 blah. Um, but then when, what's his name? Is Ares. it David? David somebody? Uh yeah, when yeah, when when, when Ares Weasley. actually does show up. Or is it Sirius um, Black? Who is that? No, he's not Sirius Black. He's Rita He's Lupin. Lupin. He's Lupin. Yeah. All right, I was close. Yeah. <laughs> when wrong twice. <laughs> <laughs> when 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 he shows up and they start to have that conversation, I was like, "Oh, this actually might be better that they get to have this kind of confrontation and this argument." And then they just had to fight. And the fight, oh my gosh, this gross CGI fight is terrible. I thought like the themes behind it were, were going in a good direction, but the fact that they have to fight it out and make it last this long um, and have this long kind of argument that the, the, the argument isn't great that they're having while they're fighting. There needs to be, if you're going to fight, there has to be a better reason for it than, than what they're using here. See, my only issue was, was how... My only issue is how Zack Snydery that last special yes. effects uh, big fight scene was. Y'all, that was it. Yep. But I loved everything CGI else fight about at it. Night with after fire. The, and the fi- Batman v Superman. And after watching this, I know that Zack Snyder didn't direct this, but I am coming to terms with the fact that, from a visual standpoint, I'm a huge Zack Snyder fan. Um, I think story wise, like I, I don't know if I'm, I'm crazy about him. Um, but visually, like the whole fight stuff, everything was working for me. Well, all the fights for the rest of the film were like the slow down for the like amazing picturesque shots whenever, um, Robin Wright and all of the warriors were like flipping over and shooting three arrows at one time. Oh, so beautiful and running across no man's land. I love the fact that it was no man's land and she was running across it. There was just so many. So glad she didn't say I'm no man. I'm so glad that did not. Yeah, happen. me too. Me too. Um, um, I, but all that was so great. The only thing at the end was like, and I loved that he was the guy, he was the normal guy, and then his armor came together and was made of all the debris of war. Like that's what his armor was, were the actual like mechanisms of war and battle. I loved all of that. I just, that fight scene, I don't know how you could do it differently is the thing. Like it's a superhero movie. That's how superhero movie right final boss battles go right um and And that's the that's the issue is is they always end like that and it's always difficult but i think what what it always comes down to is there aren't a lot of stakes in that fight like every other fight there's a lot that there's a you know there's things that could be lost and really i'm i during that fight scene we also have the steve and the plane story and i'm much more interested in that than in the two gods fighting each other let me tell you and that scene with her and steve where it was like silent and then we see Mm -hmm. it again was so impactful like Mm -hmm. i was not ready for how beautiful of a scene that was going to be that worked for me that really did work for me i i did not think it was going to when when they cut back and you're like oh we're gonna see this again but it really did work it was good it really worked (laughs) incredible oh man yeah okay so at the end we um she kills she kills the dude did you ever think it was going to be Dr. Poison was Ares? No. You didn't? No. So after she killed the guy, who did you think was going to be, who's actually going to be well, Ares? Well, I didn't know I thought they what were was going to happen. I, when I, I, knew, I was pretty sure that when she killed that guy, like nothing was going to happen and we were going to see her right. reckon with that. Um, right. 
but I wasn't sure whether I, I just didn't know what was going to happen next about like, are we going to get this? Like, Oh no, it's all a metaphor. Like Aries is still out there. He's just not like this physical representation that you can fight right now, you know? Yes. Um, or yes. like it was someone else. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing I thought they might do is I know they're leading up to dark side being kind of their Thanos. And so I thought it might have been like later on in the comic books you, or in the movies you see Darkseid come out and he's like, I've been called many things. I've been called Ares. And like, you're like, oh, that's who it is. Like, I thought he might have been a big franchise bad guy who she didn't interact with in this movie at all. Yeah. Whew, I would have hated that more. Man. Yeah, it would have made the movie worse. Yeah. So another like plot thing that I've heard some people chatter about is that like, I didn't expect her to actually defeat Ares at the end. I thought she was going to, like, have some sort of win, but that he wouldn't be, like, fully defeated. Um, so I was kind of surprised that he yeah. was. And But I do like the interpretation, again, that I have. So I heard someone online say, they're like, wait a minute. So if she actually succeeded in defeating Ares, what does that mean for, like, the rest of human history in this DC universe. Like did world war two happen? You know, like, because yeah. like, there's still war or like, or is, or did she end war? You know, all these different things. And in my mind, I really love the idea that even though she defeated Ares, the God of war, that like the, the need for war is so embedded in our human psyche, like because of years and years of it, of it and the trauma of it is like in, in our DNA now that of just by defeating Ares doesn't mean war stops in the world. You know, that it means that she still has to stay to like help, you know, bring peace and justice. Um, right. But even though Ares is gone, like her job isn't over. I thought that was like a really yeah. beautiful, um, like way to tell that story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was a lot of what I got out of his monologue was like him saying, I never actually did anything to make any of this stuff happen. I just whispered ideas to people and they chose whether or not they wanted to do it. And that's something within humanity that's always there that we always have to reckon with. And that's what the, like such a fundamental difficulty about being human is, is there's this capacity to love, but there's this capacity to, uh, envy and to fear and to hate and um, yeah it was just a really it got more philosophical than I expected for a movie like this I was really mm-hmm. uh, impressed by that yeah so uh, as we wrap up I do want to ask what is everybody's favorite scene Ooh, that's hard with this it really is um, I'm really torn between I mean I think I think I have to say that my favorite scene is Wonder Woman going out into no man's land and like the reveal yeah the costume reveal yeah, yeah. and like her being like no we can't give up and like I'm going to be the one to make this happen um I'm not going I'm going to like go head first into this terrifying situation because it's the right thing to do And just being this, like, I love the idea because I think it is so true that, like, this female hero we have is, like, does the work. Because I feel like Mm -hmm. women do the work so often in life. And, like, when there's things to be done, like, women step up to do them. And I like having that moment. Um and like her being inspirational to all those troops in that moment. Um, yeah, and rejecting all of the established wisdom of all the men who had been there for that long. Right. Just like entrenched in their thinking, right. coming in from this outside perspective and being like, you're thinking about this wrong. Yeah. Well, for me, for, for me, it's the build up to it. Cause I, as they're kind of walking up, she sees the wounded soldiers and she's and like, oh, this sucks. And then the. Yeah, and then the, and and then the you know the the horse stuck in the mud. She's like, yeah, we have to help them, and then we have to you know all this whole time. She's like, we, you know, we have to help these people, and he's constantly like, no, we have to do this, and we have to do this. And finally, she gets to the woman in the trench with the baby, who's just like, you know, they're they're gonna kill the village, like they're gonna kill. And she's finally just like, I'm gonna do this. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fix this. Yeah. <laughs> and that whole like oh, the whole build up to it, and then her going through, and it wasn't a battle. Like it, I mean, it it was a fight for sure, but it wasn't 
I don't know, glamorizing the fighting. It was more her, I have got to get across no man's land to save this yeah. town. Um, and, and she basically just kind of blows through the trench and immediately just goes toward the town. There's not a lot of like glory in the actual fighting and in the, um, I don't know, like like the the killing that's happening there. In her mind, it is a hundred percent about saving these people, which I thought was really cool and something we hadn't seen. We like we're always seeing these superhero fights, but they're always just about like the coolness of the fight. Yeah. Um. And this was more about like I'm fighting so that I can save these people. Right. I yeah. Her fighting style was about peace. Like mm -hmm. I don't know that I've seen that in any of these superhero movies. Is I mean, as much as people talk about, oh, we don't want this to be happening or stuff, at her ethos of peace and, like, stopping the destruction of all this stuff came through in so much of the movie. Yep. One of the reasons I was having trouble, like, deciding if this was my favorite scene in the movie was because I loved everything that happened on the Amazon island so much. Like, I wanted Ugh, to live in yeah. that world so much longer. It's probably my only complaint from this movie yep. is that... I want more of I, that. I want a whole yeah. movie on that island. Like, mm -hmm. um, I, I want the first Wonder Woman movie to just be on that island. And then the second one <laughs> is when she leaves the island. Yes. Um, just because the it was scene on the... beautiful oh, and we could have learned so much more about all those characters. Um, mm -hmm. I yep. feel like they're... The fact, so the fact that we don't see tell. them again yeah. is very sad. Yeah. Yeah, Robin Wright's death hit me really hard because I was so sad that she wasn't going to be around. That's something that I loved about this movie was they got Chris Pine to do a one-movie deal. They got Robin Wright to do a one-movie deal. They got great, incredible talent to do these movies. Uh, people who probably wouldn't be interested in signing on to a seven-movie uh, extended universe contract. Um, they The fact that they knew that they needed these roles to work really well and that they could get somebody for just one and really went for it was great. And I loved it. Yeah. And I agree with you, Sandra. I loved being on the island. I wanted to spend so much more time on the island. And I think my favorite scene in the movie um, is them all being on the beach. Uh, the fight scene between them and the Germans. Yeah. yeah I don't amazing. know if that was my, I think it was my favorite. It was by far my favorite fight scene. Yeah. It was like the best action scene. I was so... We saw incredible choreography there. Yeah. Like, yes. And just insane stuff I've never seen before. Robin yeah. Wright jumping off a horse and shooting three arrows at a time. Insane. Seeing I'm telling Amazons you guys. in action and also seeing... I loved what it said. I'm like getting chills thinking about it right now that these men came up in greater numbers and with greater firepower. Like they came with guns. And these women trained and put in the work and were so like all of themselves that they were able to overcome all of that and win with like when the odds were against them when all of the technology when all of the the system of that fight was set up with them at the disadvantage and they won and they fought heroically and nobly and all this stuff and it was just I know it's a fight and I know people died and part of that's just like anytime you're seeing that you're like uh but like the way that they did it I I was really really affected by it. Whew. Good movie. Go see it. <laughs> Agreed. We didn't even ha have time to talk about like a lot of like the small minor characters that I think were also really great additions to this movie. Um, I think so. I, w I wanted more of them. I, like, I don't feel like they were underserved because no. I don't think you could actually do that in this movie yeah. um, and still have it work. But I like it. It mattered that I wanted more of yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The importance of having an indigenous actor there saying, hey, this guy who's being portrayed as the good guy, his people took all the land and everything from my people. Mm -hmm. The importance of having an actor of color there saying that he didn't want to be in the war. He didn't want to be doing this stuff. He wanted to be an actor, but he couldn't. Um, I mean, they, it wasn't, they gave them a heart and they gave these characters enough to where it didn't feel like tokenism, which I really appreciated, but it definitely, I agree, it made, it left me wanting more from them. I hope we yep. get it. We shall see. We shall see. All right. All thumbs up in the air. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know how to summarize what I'm doing. Both of my thumbs. I, I give them both thumbs up. I, I had a great time. I will give both of my thumbs up with caveats. <laughs> <laughs> my caveatless thumbs are high in the air. They have four without caveats, two with. And yeah, incredible, incredible movie. Everyone should go see it. Um, 
and we would love to hear you talk more about it. I feel like, like we were saying at the end here, there's so much more we could go on about, and this is such a fun movie to watch, and it's one that makes me want to rewatch it, and one that I love reading about and talking about, and I know that I am not alone amongst my co-hosts here in that thought. So if you have uh, any way in which you want to keep the conversation going, please do by tweeting us at feelingitpod or emailing us at feelingitpod at gmail.com. You can also reach any of us uh, on an individual basis on social media. Guys, where can we find each of you? You can find me on all social platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find me tweeting about Robin Wright's biceps at Lucas and Stuff. Oh, that's why I follow Lucas, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me, quote, tweeting him and adding the commentary about her battle scars at Lawson West on Twitter. Those battle scars, though. Oh, oh. Yeah. It was so... Yes, so rich, so good. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you more soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Adios. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away, Rick. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Yeah. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 